Bibi Fahodier, welcome to the African Liberation Media Podcast. Media solely focused on the liberation and empowerment of African people. I'm your host, Gullah Jack, aka Russell Swilly. Let's get to it. A Bibi Fahodier, this is the African Liberation Media. We are broadcasting as a kickoff tribute to Juneteenth. I'm here with Sister Marina, Brother Macaru, as well as Brother Amos. Our purpose is to create tension in the mind. We are convinced that through creative dialogue and courage, much can be resolved, perhaps not everything, but we'll be able to move in that direction. We feel strongly that the public has been ill-served by the mainstream media. And thus we're here to challenge the dominant ideology, the prevailing notions, and the conventional wisdom. In other words, we espouse a narrative that is conducive to African empowerment and African interest. That's all I want to say, brothers, uh, sisters, take it where you're going to take it. Uh, perhaps a historical synopsis of the significance of Juneteenth will suffice here. Abibi Fahodier, African family. We are broadcasting uh, tonight from the House of Africa on Thomas Avenue in the Plaza Midwood community in Charlotte, North Carolina, where we're in the process of honoring the holiday of Juneteenth. This is the 22nd year that we've been doing this, 22nd consecutive year that we've been doing this in Charlotte. Of course, everybody in our audience knows, but just in case uh, someone is tuning in for the first time, Juneteenth is a celebration of the African struggle against chattel slavery. On June the 19th, 1865, the Union Army arrived in Galveston, Texas and announced to the 250,000 Africans in Texas that the Confederacy had lost and that the Emancipation Proclamation was in effect. That set off a celebration. Of course, as we all know, the Confederacy was defeated and had surrendered in April of 1865, but the uh, brutal and exploitive slave owners in Texas decided to continue to work our brothers and sisters as long as they possibly could. So they tried to get uh, as much out of them, that last, that last blood money out of them. When the Africans uh, realized that they were in fact, uh, quote unquote, emancipated, which is not the same as being totally liberated, but emancipated, it set off a celebration. And the next year they organized the first Juneteenth that was in Texas. And uh, it spread to other states in the South and eventually across the country. Uh, it waned under the uh, intense pressure of uh, American apartheid or Jim Crow segregation. And then with the rebirth of uh, black culture in the 1960s with the black power movement and the black liberation movement, there was a rebirth of Juneteenth. And eventually brother Papin Jai from Senegal, one of our brothers came from the continent and he decided that we should have a celebration in Charlotte. So that's why we're here tonight. And uh, we are drafting conscious Africans as they walk by. And the first one to walk by is, is the beautiful Marina Thomas. Ashe. One of our uh, most uh, conscious and heroic sisters in this in this city. 
So we just asked her to sit down because we know that uh, that she has recently written a book, and we know that she and her sister, her and her daughter, they they look like sisters. Both of them are so beautiful. Um, don't uh, you agree? Have started <laughs> have started a business, and she'll be vending out here. So, uh, Sister Marina, uh, welcome to the podcast, and uh, just tell us, you know, what's going on in in the in the world of Marina and Imani, and and whatever whatever you want to talk to us about. For just give us uh, five minutes, if if I can if I can hold my heart that long enough, stand here looking at you. Go right ahead. Oh my goodness, this is such an honor to be here with these kings. I have known each of them um, for a length of time and it is such an honor to be here amongst um, amongst you all. So thank you so much just for the honor of sitting down and talking to you. Um, as um, Elder Macaroo mentioned, I and my daughter will be here tomorrow vending. And if I may tell you just a little bit about her, she started her business when she was 14 years old. Um, because I call her a community baby. She was raised under, um, the, in the, as, a, as a part of the village. Mm -hmm. And so as a result of being a part of the village, she started her business. She was encouraged by the village. All of these gentlemen here encouraged her. So she was encouraged by the village. And as a result of her being encouraged by the village, um, like I said, she started her own t-shirt line at 14. Mm -hmm. And it is still going well. She's going into her second year of college at A&T and HBCU. All right. Um, and the, the business is going very well for her. And I'm, I'm exceptionally proud of her for continuing to hold fast to something that she was given as a part of being in the community. Right. Yes. Right. That's, fan that, that's, that's fantastic. And uh, so you, you all created these t-shirts yourself. We did, we did. Um, Amani, I remember the conversation like it were yesterday. She was sitting and she was, we were having a conversation just about the image of young girls today. Mm -hmm. And she was saying, you know, mom, the music is so hard on us right now. It's hard for us to look up, to, to be positive. And she said, and you always, you and my dad always talk to us as, about being queens, but I don't get to see that. I don't see that image. Mm -hmm. And I, and as we expanded on that conversation, conversation a little bit more she said well mom I want to be on my queen behavior and that's okay. how the I'll concept say. of the t-shirt was born she said I want to be on my queen behavior I want to exemplify those queens Nzinga, Yasantua, those queens that I've heard you all talk about at crossroads and in the community that's right. what I want to represent right so as a result of that conversation the t-shirt line was born right yes yeah and you know and 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 all you know all parenting you know it obviously starts with good parents and you know and i remember imani is just a, a young girl coming to the classes that we were holding at uhuru sasa that's right restoration academy she was sitting in there absorbing all of the information as uh brother almost was teaching from yeah. uh, anthony browder's book uh and learning about now valley contribution to civilization and of course we organized a Kwanzaa program, which uh, she played a prominent role in. So, you know, that's she She has been groomed to be an African queen, to be in a Manorinas, a Yah Santawa, Harriet Tubman. So uh, you've done a fantastic job. Now, we know that you have recently written a book. Yes. So tell us about what motivated you to do that. And... Uh, Okay. Well, before I do that, I want to. I 
recently. Um, okay. She has been looking for this African-centered environment at A&T. Okay. And she was talking about how there was nothing there. Wow. Um, and so as a result, I tried to encourage her, you need to start something. That's right. And so when she goes back in the fall, she's going to meet with a couple of other young ladies and talk about starting something African-centered. And that's as a result of her being in the, in the community at Crossroads. So I did want to give her a shout out for that, for being willing to start something African-centered at an HBCU where, in her thought system, that should be a part of it, but it's not, but she's willing to start. Well, you know, and, and you know, that, that that is fantastic because our young people have to create their own space. Yes. I mean, that that's really what the warriors that stood up in the 1960s did. They created their own space. and. And of course, Imani knows that she has a support structure. So That's whenever right. she wants somebody to come up and talk about now Valley Civilizations, she can call Brother Amos yes. and he can come up to A&T yes. and, 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 and speak to them, uh, you know, to the students up there. And of course, all of us would be, would be willing to do that. Yeah. Uh, you know to support her so you know that's that's fantastic I appreciate that so the book okay well the book um, the book is called hurts just like love uh, I'm exceptionally proud of this piece of work because it took me 25 years to finally birth this piece of work Wow 25 wow. years to have the confidence and the courage to put it out into the universe mm -hmm. yes 25 years Wow and concept around the book is do we really know each other it's it's about a couple that have been married for nine and a half years and he comes home one day and he finds that everything is gone his wife has left him she's taken the children and so the story unfolds from that perspective about how we interact and engage with each other but we're really not authentic with each other mm. we really can't be our true selves with one another and so the story unfolds from there Wow, 25 years. 25 years. Okay, 25 okay. Years. Young, so, young lady, to your point, though, uh, can you talk a little more about the, the inhibitors, uh, the vulnerability, perhaps, that inhibits us? <laughs> sadly, and I discussed this with many of my cousins when I was down in Mariana, Florida, mm -hmm. that uh, we espouse the idea Let's keep it 100. I keep it real. But yet, that's not exemplified a whole lot in the African world. It seems to me that we are less apt to keep it real than many people. I agree. Yeah, deal, deal with that. Take it wherever you want to take it. So what's interesting about my, when I write, I, I mostly write from a male's perspective. Wow. Well, let me, let me be clear. I try to write from a male's perspective. I wrote a book of poetry entitled If I Decide to Fly, and it was 52 poems celebrating and uplifting black men. Okay. So I don't know if that's part of my coming back into this universe to um, uplift and encourage black men, because I've always had uh, an affinity from, for black men. Mm -hmm. seeing my grandfather so this this story is told from miles who is the main character it's told from his perspective miles and that name again my, that's right that name again and really what happened was miles didn't really want to see what was right in front of him he didn't want to see that there were some things going on in his marriage that there that he was not happy and so as a result of him not dealing with those things um, it led to his wife leaving, 
and them having to deal with the issues that eventually came up to the surface anyway. So I think that that's profound in the, in the sense that it's from a male's perspective as much as I could per se from a male's perspective and the, the, his wife Mia um, has a lot of people don't really like her because uh -uh. they see her as the bad guy. Oh, okay. Because she left. Okay. She, she didn't take her children with her, which as a woman, that's a no-no. Mm. You know, a woman doesn't leave her children. But at the same time, um, when I've been in discussions with other women about this, we talk about how sometimes it's tough being a mother and the expectation that we have to attach to children. And if we don't, then there's something wrong with us. And, and if we can't talk about that, then you know it ends up being unhealthy situations and relationships. Hmm. Very interesting. Very interesting, yes. Absolutely. You know, I, you know as I listen to you talk, uh, women who profess to be a strong woman it's almost as if they uh, inadvertently or unconsciously place a bullseye on their back That's right. in many instances. That's right. You know, uh, take that wherever you want to take it, young lady. Because, see, you know, you, you hear the axiom all the time, be strong, be strong, be strong, but sometimes you get tired of being strong. You know, it's so... I, you know, I, I, I guess I'm speaking to the need of complementarity, complementary pairs versus conflicting parts, as Marimba Ani, the Queen Warrior Scholar, has uh, espoused us to adopt this concept uh, since she's been writing. Yes. Since she's been writing. Uh, this can in some instances create a, a difficult challenge for many of the brothers uh, because you know sadly with us being somewhat oblivious you know to the African paradigm we adopt the European paradigm that is detrimental to our interest. That's right. Yeah, there's just so many chasms out there between the sisters and the brothers uh, <laughs> finger pointing is quite pervasive out there. Yes it is. <laughs> you know, I hear you know, I, I don't I don't want to call any names, but uh, you know, it would be nice. It would be great. In the words of Amos Wilson, we will have a tremendous healing when we rid ourselves from the European. Totally. Brothers, you know, Haki talks about brothers taking bullets. You know, in the street, brothers taking bullets as a result of ignorant talk. You know, brothers taking bullets, but we don't have any bullets for the European in terms of killing their ideology. See, I ain't talking necessarily about shooting them, you know, I don't want to get my butt in trouble, but, you know, killing their ideology, you know, it's uh, the benefits of a wide sweeping. Right. You know, to whatever degree we can purge ourselves from this madness. You know, one of the one of the things one of the things that uh, young the young women young our younger sisters are dealing with is 
so many so many of our young males have succumbed to the psychodynamics of black self-annihilation in service of white domination that there is a severe shortage like the young women that are in uh, like take my daughter for example college educated two degrees you know early 30s and so many the number of women in her particular category and just young black women period there are so many more sisters than there are brothers because so many of our brothers have not only been taken out you know here's the interesting thing I saw a statistic uh, several years ago Black women give birth to more males than females, but by age 18, by age 18, there are already more females than males, just by a slight amount. It may be like only a half a percentage, but but then, but by the time you get to 35, the number increases, and then 45 and 55, the number the number increases because of the toll that the society has taken. So I've always felt that the sisters have a vested interest in saving young brothers. A vested interest because otherwise there are not enough men to reproduce. And right now, believe it or not, the African-American birth rate has already fallen below the replacement rate. Oh my God. It, already. Has, has fallen below the replacement rate uh, in the United States. Now, thank God our brothers and sisters in Africa are quite prolific. And that, that may be our salvation if we can revolutionize these uh, brothers and sisters. But, uh, you know, that's just something, uh, Marina, that, uh, that I don't know how often is discussed among women that, you know, we really have a vested interest as a, you know, as a people uh, because... You know, we need young, we need positive young males and young females who are building families because that's the basis for all power. That's right, that's right. As an elementary school teacher from K to five, I just retired from CMS. Couldn't take it anymore, the things Well, that congratulations. Thank you very much, I appreciate that. Um, one of the one of the things, the biggest things that I saw that caused me to move out of that system to finally say I can't do it anymore is to watch the systematic destruction of the black male. Wow. It starts in kindergarten. Mm. First grade, second grade. So by third grade, they know beyond a shadow of a doubt. And, and sometimes we say, you know, these are... Um, conspiracy theories. No, they're not. When you're in the system and you see what's happening mm -hmm. from the beginning all the way through so that by the time they get to third grade, yeah, they already have a certain number that they know will be easy or that they know will be um, below grade level. So to watch that system in place and to actually see it happen, mm -hmm. you know, the, the decision to say I can't play a part of this anymore. But here's, here's the thing, as women, I think the biggest thing we have to do is stop acting like we're at war with the black man. Okay. We're not, this is, we're all in this together. It is not about the black woman 
needing this and the black man because I hear that so much. Mm -hmm. I hear that well the black man needs to do this and the black woman need to do needs to do that. No, we need to work together to heal our relationships and here's the thing if you're not interested in that then to me you're part of the problem exactly if you're not interested in trying to heal these relationships and stop finger pointing and, and talking about the problem and, and working on healing then in my mind it's, you're part of the problem because right. we're past that point where we need to start pointing the finger at one another right and you know here's, here's another thing that uh, how easily uh, we get manipulated into other people's issues um, you know, back, uh, say, starting probably in the, they really started turning the heat up in the 1990s under the Clinton administration, and they finally achieved the objective under Obama when these people started talking about uh, the rights to same-sex marriage, okay? Now, and all of these black, so-called black organizations jumped on the bandwagon. Yeah, these people are entitled to marry one another. And what I was saying at the time was the, the most important marriage for us this take, that could take place would be between young black males and young black females who are reproducing children, but they are not building families. That's what we should have had a full court press on. I don't care. Other people, they can go out. I don't care what they do. But, but, we, but, we, but viewing things from the perspective of African liberation and empowerment, there's nothing that's more important for us than for young black males and young black females who are reproducing children to build families. That's what we should have been talking about. Instead of getting hung up on somebody else's issue and all of these black organizations and the Congressional uh, Negro Caucus and all of these people coming out talking about, yeah, yeah, we got to push for this marriage equality and all of this kind of crap. And then we, we and, and our community is literally burning exactly. to the ground because our families are in disarray and, you know, have been, have been under a particular assault because strong black families produced children in the 1960s. Children were born in the 1940s young adults in the 1960s started talking about black power and that scared the crap out of the white power structure so they said what how do we deal with that we gotta attack their families because all of these people were produced by strong black families yes so i mean that's just that's just one thing so look we know you're busy sister we appreciate your time thank you so spending much. so much time with us tonight marina and uh we, of course, look forward to seeing you throughout Juneteenth and uh, keep doing the good work, sister. Likewise. And if I may, I just want to say thank you to you gentlemen for what you do. Thank you for continuing the fight, authentically staying in there without watering down anything and for, um, for, for keeping this on the forefront. I honor you and I thank you so, so much for that. We appreciate you. We appreciate you. it appreciate greatly. You. All right. Well, BB48, sister. BB48. Yeah, I wanted to um, go back to Juneteenth and... Um, just talk about the importance of celebrating your own holy days or uh, like you know they call them holidays but they're really holy days so we have a lot of European centered holy days um, and a lot of us you know we get out and we you know celebrate uh, Memorial Day uh, you know this weekend is Father's Day uh, next month is the 4th of Jews July uh -huh. and uh, a lot of us will celebrate that 
you know, as an Independence Day. Mm -hmm. uh, but really, we know that there was no independence for the African because the African was still enslaved at that time uh, in 1776. So fast forward to 1865. This is really the true Independence Day for the African in the United States. That's right. Uh, we know that Africans in other places in the diaspora were liberated from their enslavement and oppression at different times in different years. Mm -hmm. But it's important for us to to really uh, pay homage to this day and celebrate this day, remember this day, uh, even more importantly than any of the other European holy days that we bow down and pay homage to. Exactly. You know, it, 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 it's a people's confidence and self-respect that will ultimately determine how far they uh, excel in not only sovereignty, but sustainability and survival. Exactly. And for people that don't respect themselves, uh, you'll easily, easily be forgotten and easily be exterminated. So I just wanted to add that piece uh, to the conversation for those who are listening. Um, as a matter of fact, we normally release our programs on Mondays, but you know, since we are here, we'll go ahead and put this one up as soon as we finish so that hopefully you can pick it up by tomorrow and, and, and try to join in on some of the activities that are going on uh, tomorrow and also Sunday. Exactly. And, you know, and what you said, Brother Amos, is so important because I gave I give you an example. Uh, I was I was in a store today, and there were uh, there was a young black uh, male and a young black female working the register. And I'm I'm guessing that these uh, people were in uh, maybe uh, the uh, they probably were teenagers, late teens, or whatever, something to that effect. And I asked them. Uh, so they were very respectful. They said, "How you doing?" I said, hey, "Listen, every day I wake up is a great day. I'm still between Newton Gill." And they said, uh, they said, uh, what you got planned this weekend? And I said, oh, I said, I'm glad you asked. I said, I'll be going to Juneteenth. And so they, they looked at me. And uh, I said, uh, have you all ever heard of Juneteenth? And the brother said, no, I never heard of it. And so I asked the young lady, I said, she said, I think I've heard of it, but I'm not sure what it is. And so anyway, you know, I told them what it was, and I told them that, uh, you know, we will be uh, holding it this year in the Plaza Midwood community, uh, which is anchored by the House of Africa, which is the oldest business in this community, uh, started by our brother Pap and Jai. And uh, I said, look, you all, when you all get off work tomorrow, please come by. We'll be there Saturday. I said, I'm, there'll be something for you to enjoy, whether, you know, it's the, uh, the arts and crafts, or the, the, the food. Uh, all, all of the different types of music, the spoken word, the dancing. And so, you know, they, they seem to be excited. I hope they'll come by. But, but to your point, Brother Almost, the, the thing of it is is that so many of our people don't know. Don't. So many of our people do not know that this history is taking place. So now we have been joined by a very, very distinguished guest, uh, my younger brother <laughs> from, the Warloff, from, the, from the Warloff community. Uh, yes, uh, straight out of uh, Dakar, Senegal, my good brother Pap Njai, the founder, owner, proprietor of the House of Africa, and the person who had the uh, creative genius to start the Juneteenth holiday in Charlotte, North Carolina, 
So welcome to African Liberation Media, Brother Pap. Thank you very much, brother, for having me. Oh, absolutely, tonight. absolutely. And uh, uh, first of all, uh, Brother Pap, just just tell us, we're going to get to Juneteenth, but before we get to Juneteenth, tell us what motivated you uh, to start this business, the House of Africa here on Thomas Avenue in Charlotte. Wow, 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 wow. That will be a book. <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll cut it down to a... I, just, I cut it down. Just a preface. <laughs> just coming uh, through Charlotte. Out of New York, 23 years ago. Uh, I don't drive. My driver said that uh, he was tired, so I said pull over. And uh, that was Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. And uh, we stay... Uh, in a hotel of a Freedom Drive called the Ramada. The next day, paying the bill, I asked the teller questions about Charlotte. Mm -hmm. He was answering. I said, do you have a flea market? Okay. And he said, yes, there's one right there on Camp Green and Freedom Drive. So I went there and rent the table for $8. I forget something. I was coming back from the Olympic in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay, all right. And whatever, what I have left in the van, I just put it out there. Mm -hmm. And uh, the response was great. Questions about Africa, about culture, about this. And I meet some great folks that still my friends to now, my brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. They were here, as a matter of fact, this evening I see them. Okay. And uh, the next day, I said, hmm, that was on a Saturday. Mm -hmm. And I say that I will do again a Sunday. And I met this brother called Pete Tobias. He said that uh, he got a friend who collect African art, Sophia Schuller. She owned a business in the 2300 of the Platz block. Okay. The lady come by, buy some stuff. We met dog, being friend. I went to New York, went back to Africa. It was around Kwanzaa time, and she called me in Africa. Wow. Asking me to come back to Charlotte for Kwanzaa program, and I said, that's too far. I have my people in New York, I can send them to you. Mm -hmm. She said, Pab, we want you, you need to come. My mother was alive at that time, and the lady was calling me all the time. Pap, my mother said, Pab, just go. And I come back to America, come to New York, put the stuff in the van again, and come to Charlotte. And uh, when I when I come, did the Kwanzaa program with her. It was great, beautiful. Went back to New York before heading back to America, to Africa. Mm. So every time that I go to Miami, Atlanta, anywhere, I stop by Charlotte. Okay. And uh, that's when I say, why not open up a business in Charlotte? Okay. Just like that. Just like that. And uh, thank God and the ancestors. 
thousand me and uh, thank you because you welcomed me in Charlotte day one when I got here in the business name called House of Africa you are one of the first one that stopped by thank you again and you never stop <laughs> you never stop since day one well you know that's that's what we're supposed to do because we are an African people mm, true and the only difference is that uh, some of our ancestors were captured and some weren't and some fought and were able to fight off the, the Europeans and and some of us uh, you know were not so that, that that's that, the only difference between us that's what I say all the time yes, that's the, my saying black is black whatever they are that's not because you've been living in America for 400 years make you different than me we are all one exactly exactly very important and so I, I remember I remember this day almost like it was yesterday mm -hmm. uh, you called me and said uh, we're gonna we're gonna do a, uh, a Juneteenth celebration mm -hmm. and uh, I said wow I said okay and uh, I said, what can I, what can I do? And you said, uh, I want you to do the history. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he said, you know, come down because, you know, you're the historian. Come That's down and right. do the history. And uh, <laughs> he, said, he said, you said that there would be um, uh, some media. And, and, and we will set up right here where right we are. Here, right, here. right here where we are yeah, right, yeah, right right now. True. And uh, I think we did an interview with somebody. I, don't, I can't remember who and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And then that, that started the holiday and it just grew and grew and um and into where into where it is today you know we we moved to the park and then couldn't get some cooperation from some people we should be getting cooperation from so we moved it back they did just because we couldn't go to the park that was not going to stop us so so tell me now now we we african people if if i went to senegal i may not know uh, there's a holiday or I might tell somebody let's uh, you know celebrate the uh, birthday of uh, Sheikha Dejoup or something like that mm -hmm. uh, so how did you come up come up come up with this idea this June this Juneteenth idea what what inspired you to to do that uh, Pat because I know I know it's no no one knows other than the people that have been around you how much effort and energy you put into this you you need a you need a vacation after you because you put forth so much effort to do this. But but tell me what initially inspired you to uh, to start this this celebration of Juneteenth twenty two years ago, brother. If you remember, I first started Martin Luther King birthday celebration we, in nineteen ninety seven right here next door to House of Africa. Right. Yeah, I remember speaking there. Yeah. And uh, after Martin Luther King, it was great. I remember to now, it was beautiful and great. The Charlotte community come out. It was beautiful. It was, we, great we were jam-packed in, jam in, in a tight quarter. Jam-packed. And you were there teaching us about our heritage and our history. I will never forget that day. Uh, after Martin Luther King, I said, hmm, I can't stop. I have to do something. And did my research and said, huh, this is a very, very, very 
big piece of American history that we need to celebrate. Okay. And that's what really inspired me. And I say, I'm going to have to do it. Okay. That was it. With the help now of God and the ancestors. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Fa fa fantastic. And, uh, you know, we've been going around doing a lot of interviews, uh, you know, this week, uh, pushing the program. So, uh, Brother Almost is going to try to get this this particular show uh, you know, out onto the airways uh, sometime tomorrow. So, uh, just tell us about you know uh, we've already started yesterday with the uh, children's Good. camp, mm -hmm. the children's cultural camp because uh, you you recognize very early that if we don't teach our youth, then we we it's over for us. Yeah. It, 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 it it's a done deal. It's a done deal. It, I mean you know so so you started the cultural camp uh, for that reason, and that's already taking place and. Uh, when we started the program the night the drum circle was taking place uh but tell us about uh tomorrow i understand we got some guests that may be coming from azania uh, maybe around from soweto or somewhere like somewhere, that somewhere all over the place <laughs> man it's going to be crazy good guests will come from all over as a matter of fact we have uh, brother jerome hunter that did the uh, Ogun dance two, uh, two hours ago. It was great. So we invite everyone to come out and again celebrate the piece of American history. And uh, at Juneteenth Festival of the Carolinas, we are using it as a tool to educate about our rich history and powerful heritage. Right, right. And uh, again, for the kids, we, every year we open Juneteenth with the cultural camp. Right. Because we believe that the children are our future. Exactly. Without them we lost. Especially that this is, this Juneteenth, like you say all the time, why it is important. It marks the commemoration of the 400 years that African been in America. Exactly. So, guys, Brothers and sisters, let's celebrate this Juneteenth and make it happen and make it the best Juneteenth ever. Exactly. And and, and, and we will do that. So uh, we thank you, Brother Pap, for taking some time out of your busy schedule to join us. My we, pleasure, we, brother. You, you're the, hard, you the, the hardest working man. I'm trying. I'm <laughs> you're the hardest trying, working I'm man. Trying. I mean, uh, and so... Hey, just keep up the good work, my brother. We're trying, brother. We're trying. And we try. We want also you to know that we appreciate you very, very much in this community. We are, we're not blind. We are seeing the great work that you're doing in your community and teaching your people. We appreciate that very, very, very much, brother. Well, we thank you. And, and that's the reason why, uh, Brother Almost Gullah Jack, and I started African African Liberation Media to reach the entire African world. Thank you. Uh, to inf you know, with uh, to give them perspectives that they would normally get from from other places. So you know, that's our obligation. That's our small contribution Amen. to the to the liberation and Amen. empowerment of Amen. African people. Amen. And um, you know, uh, as uh, as uh, the ancestor Maya Angelou uh, says, uh, the ancestors ancestors remind us, despite the history of pain. We are ongoing people who will rise again. That's right. Hotel brother, a BB 48. Hotel brother. All right, all right. Thanks a lot, brother. Okay, uh, 
Brother Amos, uh, Thanks, we got man. anything else we need to add? Gullah Jack, anything else we want to add to uh, interview some to, to the program tonight? No, I mean, I'm just taking it. I'm just taking it all in. Yes, sir. Okay, you know, it's kind of hard to sit here and do a program. You know, with so much energy in the air. Exactly. You know, really want to be out amongst the people. And I know, I know, y'all been out here longer than I have. Right, right. Great to be here. The spirit here is very much revitalizing. Just a quick reiteration of what you brothers have expressed uh, and that is the old cliche which is very true that the blood that binds us is greater than the sea that separates us and we are most appreciative for all who have contributed in the continuation of African culture you know, uh, just to speak a little more about culture to paraphrase the great Amos Wilson, the brother spoke to the idea that culture passes on to you the learned techniques, methods and ways of coping with certain problems. And it's critically important that we maintain our culture given the plethora of problems that we deal with. Uh, the historical amnesia that has been deliberately imposed upon us by people of European extraction uh, but we need to go beyond the celebration. Of course, we support the institution building wherever institutional redevelopment is taking place, uh, be it the revitalization of the Brisbane Academy, African Liberation Media, just a litany of uh, nascent, nascent institutions that are springing up here in Charlotte. Brother Bobby Wright reminds us that for menticide, the destruction of the African mind with the intent of destroying African people, for menticide to take place, the oppressor has to gain control of our institutions. So, Bobby Rockwell, you want to tell, uh, tell our listeners what's going on tomorrow, what's happening tomorrow? Yeah, I don't have I don't have the complete uh, program uh, lineup, uh, brother Amos. But uh, I do know that um, I knew though that one of the highlights there 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 is a uh, drum and dance group from Soweto. Wow, that will be that will be here. Uh, I think it's a, a twelve-piece ensemble, and uh, and they they will be here. Uh, there will also be uh, we'll we, we'll be dealing with all of. Uh, our, our genres of music from uh, R&B to, to uh, hip-hop to uh, jazz. Uh, there will be obviously the uh, cultural dancing and, and drumming, some of which you may have heard in the background uh, on the stage. There will, there will be spoken words. Um, I'll be giving a brief history of, 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 of Juneteenth and trying to make it relevant to the struggle that we are that we are facing today, uh, shade. and uh, there will be a, a number, a number of uh, of vendors out here that will be selling all types of wares, arts, and and crafts, uh, clothing, jewelry, uh, everything that, that that you can imagine that you can't find in your local uh, capitalist uh, establishment. 
will be on sale out here. Uh, handmade products, wood carved products, hand sewn products and kente cloth and and uh, other uh, African fabrics will, 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 will be on sale. Um, there will, this will be, uh, Juneteenth is always a celebration of families. See, this is one of, one of the beautiful thing, uh, things about our African uh, uh, cultural festivals is that, our, that we, we, we see the African family. Mm. You know, and, 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 and we see examples. You will see out here strong black families. You will see husbands and wives bringing their children, you know, uh, aunts and uncles, grandfathers, all coming together, and you know it's it, it, it's really one. It's when we have these festivals, and we and we have a right to express ourselves, speak our own special truth to the world, as Dr. Karinga says. But one of the things that that you see here that we don't see enough of in our community is the expression of families. We see we see our families out here. You will see little children running all over the place and uh, you, you will see our people spending black dollars with black business people turning turning money over to uh, to help build you know these these independent business business people so these you know there are there are people who criticize these events saying that you know we shouldn't be celebrating these things under under oppression or whatever but we have to understand that this is part of our struggle. That if, that if we don't celebrate ourselves, who will? And there's nothing wrong with taking a moment to express ourselves, you know, in this manner, as we continue to fight on the battlefield every day. You know, th these are things that we should be doing. We don't have enough of this. Brother, I agree wholeheartedly. So yeah, so that's that's some of what. Uh, guess I'm getting kind of hoarse out here for some reason, but that's some of what uh, what you'll see out here uh, tomorrow, brother. Um, I better not lose my voice because I got to speak. <laughs> Just a reminder that this celebration is taking place in the 400th year that our ancestors were thrown into these systems of servitude and chattel slavery in British colonial North America which became the United States of America. So this is a very significant Juneteenth because it is taking place 1619 to 2019 400 years that our people have been engaged here in struggle in the United States after you know surviving the brutal marches from the from the interlands of, of Africa to the coast to sit in dungeons for months and then aboard these horrific floating torture chambers that they call slave ships, surviving that, those who could survive in some, in some instances, 30, 40% of the people were lost and then having to go through the brutal process of de-Africanization. Yes, sir. Being told that we could not speak our languages, these these slave masters, these slave owners, these brutal white supremacists in the United States, and which our sister has recently done some research and proved to uh, these people in our community that are hung up on feminism, 
Forty percent of the slave owners were white women. Forty percent. Research just released, posted it on African Liberation Media. I think it was this week. Uh, sister, that just did some research, went through the records. Forty percent of the slave owners. It, as a matter of fact, uh, when George Washington married Martha Custis, George had. George owned 10 Africans, Martha owned about 80 or 90. And uh, and so and so the sister went through and did this research. And so and so our people were able to survive continuously fighting. I mean the very first Africans that came in. In fact, we know for a fact that the Spaniards brought a hundred Africans to uh, the South Carolina coast to the PD River. PD, uh, PD River area of South Carolina in 1526. 500 Spaniards bought 100 Africans. The 100 Africans looked at the terror, at the terrain, and it reminded them of West Africa, and they went into immediate rebellion. All 100 Africans liberated themselves. They killed about half of the Spaniards. The rest of them that didn't die got on a boat and went back to one of their colonies in the Caribbean. That was in 1526, before 1619. I and I so, and so, and so, we know that you know that the Africans engaged in the Stono Rebellion in 1739. You know, we we know about Gabriel and Martin and Solomon Prosser in 1800. You know, in Henrico County, Virginia, and 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 so forth and so. Denmark Vesey, Nat Turner, Charles Deslandes, and the Louisiana Revolt. So many revolts. Uh, that were led by people we don't even know their names. We know that Africans escaped into the dismal swamp and set up their own communities and set up other maroons, so-called maroon communities. We know that Africans fought against the Americans on the battlefield and defeated them in numerous battles in Spanish Florida during the so-called Seminole Wars. So this is all part of the history of Juneteenth. That, as Brother Amo says, you know, our people don't don't know about, don't celebrate. When we celebrate Juneteenth, we're celebrating Nat Turner. We're celebrating Harriet Tubman. We're celebrate celebrating Martin R. and Kate Delaney. We are we are celebrating Sojourner Truth. We are celebrating Frances Ellen Watkins and Mariah Stewart and Mum Bet and all of the Africans in the Stono Rebellion. So I mean, you know, this this is this is what we're celebrating. The fact that our people resisted. If if they couldn't do anything else, they broke tools. Yes, sir. <laughs> if they couldn't do anything else, they broke tools. Yes. We sir. don't know how many slave owners died in their sleep from uh, something that they ate. So yes, I mean sir. this is this is what this is what our people did. And and this is the legacy. The legacy of Dredd and Harriet Scott who literally forced these white people in this country to fight one another when they sued for their freedom. Forcing, forcing the Europeans, the brutal uh, white supremacists, uh, the sick forerunner of J. Edgar Hoover, Roger Tawney, ruled in the Dred Scott decision that black people have no rights which white people are bound to respect. But, but the thing that really got the white people was the fact that he said that black people were nothing but property and property could be taken everywhere and the white people in the north say how will we ever earn a living if slavery can be everywhere so we gotta we gotta do something about this we don't give a flying flip about the africans themselves but we can't earn a living as long as slavery can spread you know throughout uh the territories where it had supposedly been banned by the uh, missouri compromise 
in the Kansas-Nebraska Act. So, I mean, this, these are some of the things that, that we will be talking about, and there'll be uh, people uh, reading all sorts of uh, beautiful poetry, uh, singing magnificent songs, doing powerful dances, uh, you know, in, 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 in the tradition, acting in the tradition of, of all of our all of our great cultural warriors and our physical wars like Amanda Renus and, 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 and Zinger and Samri Ture. And so, you know, this, this is what it's all about, of course. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's a celebration, obviously, of, of uh, June 19th, 1865. But, of course, part of, that, part of that history is, of course, tied to uh, August of 1791 when Bookman Duty, Cecile Fatimone, and all the Africans came together and boys came on on the island of our 80 and launched the Haitian Revolution. Of course, Mackendall and the others had fought before that and Queen uh, Nanny of Jamaica and Carlotta of Cuba and Gaspar Yanga of Mexico and, and, the, and, and the Africans of, of, of Palmares in South America. So, I mean, this, 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 this one rebellion, you go through every island in the Caribbean and you will find numerous African rebellions and so the British said, man, look, we got to find a better way. So they outlawed slavery in 1834. Okay. So, I mean, this, this is all part of the struggle. And these are the, some of the kind of things that uh, we've been talking about. You can see I got my voice back. <laughs> the inspiration. I mean, just the energy that's out here. I mean, you know, hey, that's what it's all about, brothers. And, and uh, you know, uh, African family that's listening across the world. I say well, brother, we appreciate your most thorough historical <laughs> synopsis as well as the energy that uh, you brought to the freight here today. And uh, I just want to reiterate uh, the connectedness that's so critical. You know, the numerator might have been house, yard, and field. But the denominator was slavery. And it took Africans recognizing their common plight, binding predicament. Of course, prior to that, then and now, then, you know, the slave master would have a good thing going. And, uh, you know, to the degree that we become African centered and the word about our history spreads. You know, perhaps we can uh, eliminate some of the. Uh, this is a this is a critical component in eliminating some of the uh, internecine warfare. Uh, it's just unfortunate that uh, those uh, students, the young people, the uh, Watato, uh, the potential Watato, are not here. Are not here. Uh, as a means and method for mitigating some of the uh, hostility of the reactionary masculinity tendencies that uh, have a destructive impact on the African community. We, right. We, but it, but a lot of them will be here tomorrow. Okay. Okay. A lot of them will be here tomorrow. Yeah. Well, that's I, guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, I wish we could do a follow-up podcast. <laughs> Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, yeah, from a stage, you know. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Yeah, we'll, I, we'll 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 get there. Yes, sir. Yeah, we're building, we're building. Yes, sir. I uh, say, a baby for Hodier.
Yeah, this has been the African Liberation Media. I have been privileged to have the best seat in the high house with Brother Amos and Brother Macaru or Bibi Fahodier. Bibi Fahodier. Power or the lack of power. I'm going to repeat this. Power or the lack of power. If your education in this institution is not about gaining real power, not jobs, because your jobs do not represent power. Not getting elected, that does not represent power either. Uh, buying your houses and fine clothes does not represent power either. If it is not about real power, you are being miseducated and misled, and you will die educated and misled. If your study of black history is merely an exercise in feeling good about yourself, then you will die feeling good. The study of history then must be more than the pumping up of your self-esteem and the pumping up of your pride. Those things are important, but ultimately those things are not the means by which we will save ourselves as people in this world.